0: Hey, welcome to episode 88 of the ThoughtCast Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, coming to you from northern Minnesota. And today I'm joined here in this lovely September evening uh, by longtime co-host, Hannah Lee Smart. Hey, Hannah, how are you doing?
1: Hello. Hello, everyone. I can't believe it's September already. I feel like it's just, where did the summer go? I was so wrapped up in being outside, and now it's going to be so chilly. Um, But a perfect, perfect podcast for today.
0: Uh, Yeah, a a fun little subject here. We are also joined once again by Alex D. coming from Georgia. Hey, Alex, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Excited to be back third third week in a row, third time in a row. I don't know. Third time's a charm, I guess. Yeah, yeah. My best work yet.
0: You've become a mainstay of the Thodcast, so thanks for joining once again. And uh, you you recommended this film, which one of your favorites, one of your favorites as well, Hannah. But yeah, it's uh, Hannah and I are both uh, Minnesotans, and we're seeing the summer evaporate a little bit, and it's uh, it's a little bit depressing. But I don't know, there's a certain relaxing charm to the, the spring, you know, crisp or not spring, uh, fall crisp air that we're experiencing uh pumpkin uh pumpkin spice latte season
2: my favorite i
1: actually don't like pumpkin spice lattes i know that's kind of wild given as though i am like the picture of a basic white girl uh but i am very interested in all of starbucks has a couple new like apple themed drinks that seems very very good Okay.
2: Yeah, I want to try them. I, I've been curious as well. I'm not a Starbucks girl, though. I'm a Dunkin' girl. But.
0: <laughs> Espresso <laughs> drinks or, or uh, something else?
2: I think they have like a
1: couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they have like their little lattes. And um, the best Starbucks drink ever that's like holiday isn't until Christmas. And that's the Snickerdoodle hot chocolate. So sometimes they'll have like the pumpkin um you know, like flavoring, or like now they'll have like apple too. And I'm excited to try them in like the hot chocolates. I always just add them in my own little concoctions.
0: Yeah. I, I did have a pumpkin spice latte from Duncan the other day. I, but I am more of a Starbucks dude, I would say. Uh, I like to stack up points and do their little challenges. Me too. Okay, yeah. Build up my story. They're so fun,
1: uh, and then when they email you and they're
0: like, "You got a reward." I'm like, "Finally!" Keeps uh gives me inspiration to keep keep on uh, living. Oh no, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, we're talking about the Aristocats from 1970, uh, the 20th Walt Disney animated feature film. Always down to talk classic Disney on the Thodcast. So I uh, thought it'd be appropriate to follow up on our conversation on uh, with the 101 Dalmatians we had recently talking dogs, and now we're talking cats. It's almost the beginning of spooky season as well. So cats are going to be on people's minds as well. Um, let's see, Alex, you, you kind of recommended that we check out Aristocats on the show. Uh, what, uh, what's special about the Aristocats in your mind? either personally or you know critically
2: okay so I haven't I hadn't seen it in a while and uh i just like oh you know we've been I've been watching these movies here's one I want to watch and if everybody else wants to watch it too we could we could talk about it and then I sat down and watched it and I was like it's good I'm like but why did I love this so much there's not anything like stimulating you know mentally stimulating about it it's just a fun easy movie to watch and then I was talking to my mom about yeah we do the podcast we're gonna watch the Aristocats I'd recommended it I've just been thinking about it and she told me that that is like one movie that I used to watch like repeatedly because it was one of the only ones that we had on VHS when we lived in Germany um, and we didn't have cable so I was like oh like maybe that's why I like it so much I just I watched it all the time and I, I love cats too. I love, I'm big, big mm. cat person. And then, so just I'm watching it again, I was like, this movie is, it's so cute. It's so just, you don't have to think too hard. Like, I don't want to think. I, I want like head empty, <laughs> eyes blank. Like, I just want to see like the cute songs and like the fun animations. And And of course, after watching, you know, newer movies, that we've talked about and then going back and watching something that was so differently animated. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's kind of like nice. Like it kind of like this, like, I kind of wish they still made movies in the style that the older Disney ones were. I, I think, well, and I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm like being nostalgic about it, but oh. I, I liked it. I was like, Oh, like, I'm really glad that like I, sat down and watched it again. And I watched it with my cat. So um, we had a good old little movie night.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Hannah, uh, you love Cats, I know. Um, what what are some of your favorite memories or thoughts?
1: So I kind of love it and more of a so I'm definitely more of a dog person. You know how people say that. I don't really know what it means, but I just feel like I'm I'm the dog person. <laughs> Anyways, um, I've always loved this movie. When I was like a little girl, I think something that made me love it more was people, not all the time, but it was one of those things that I would get the merch of on um, like my birthday and stuff. People would buy me stuff with like Marie on it every once in a while. So I felt like, oh, like, I like this is me like as a cat. So I always just thought that like, <laughs> you know, like the white fur and the pink bows. I was like, oh my God. Like, that's like what I look like as a kitty. Like, I just thought, I don't know. That's probably like so idiotic to say, but. No, that's great. Um, I feel like that kind of made me love it more. And then. I just felt like some of my cousins really liked the movie Aristocats. So I would go to their house. And so I have the memories of that kind of family ties. So it's not, I was more like I would watch Fox and the Hound or like Little Mermaid, like on repeat or even, um, I don't know. There's just so many, the the Jungle Book, like movies I would maybe pick before this one, but I definitely love this movie. And I think that it's a timeless uh, Disney classic i'm not sure if it's really stood the test of time but for me nostalgically i think it has and re-watching it again was definitely fun and i was like oh i forgot about that part even though i've seen it a million times um it was definitely a nice little jaunt down memory lane mm-hmm. a prowl if you
0: will <laughs> yeah we uh yeah I, I definitely pounced on this one having not seen it uh quite as many times as a lot of the other classic films uh, from Disney. Um, This was preceded immediately by the Jungle Book and the uh, Sword in the Stone was between 101 Dalmatians and the Jungle Book. Uh, Sword in the Stone, 1963, Jungle Book, 1967, I believe, released. So the last animated film that Walt Disney had significant impact Uh, on um, and then aristocats i think he had some awareness you know he he was uh, in on some decisions for the film but um, you know the the bulk of its uh, production was completed post uh, disney Uh, but and then i think there were a couple um, winnie the pooh featurettes that were technically released prior to 1970 when a risk cats came out but those were later repackaged as a feature film so um i think that is regarded as the uh the following technically uh <laughs> in, in the disney canon sorry all this boring uh context out of the way um yeah the, it it has a similar style to 101 dalmatians with uh, the photocopying. How do you, you want to describe it? You know, they use the Xerox process to achieve the keyframe animation on, on this film, which makes for a bit of a rougher, sketchier aesthetic than um, films made prior to the advent of that process. And then it would later be a lot more refined to where you really don't notice that sketchy quality. In you know, films of the 80s and and early 90s, of course, when they started just importing the drawings directly into computer software. So you got this perfect clean lines.
1: I actually think of all the older Disney movies, this one translated, you know how they always do those Disney like digital updates or whatever they do to movies. Yeah. Um, I thought this one actually transferred pretty well like, the animation wasn't very distracting to me, and I think sometimes when they try to do the ones from this era and above,
2: um, it doesn't always work. I, yeah, it's, like, it becomes, like, too, too much, almost, but I, I feel like, even, like, I don't know, like, obviously, there's not merch, merchandise for the Aristocats now, but if you see any type of, Cur- more current uh, artwork or post or anything like they're more it's more defined but it still keeps mm-hmm. that like i actually have a marie hat that i bought at um box lunch uh, i think oh, i have one for topic
1: <laughs> yeah like, like maybe two years ago um we did a disney bound as um mm. theoristic cats once nice. <laughs> um Ooh, so shit. i think I have like a little baseball hat just in case my like ears, you know, you know how those Mickey ears are um, that I bought. It was, it was maybe like 2019. I don't remember. Whatever, Philip, whatever year I bought my annual pass. Okay. I think that was. Um, so, anyways, and everyone always, whenever I wear it, thinks it's Hello Kitty because she's like so round.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, mm-hmm. even like Disney people are always like, oh, is that Hello Kitty? It's like, girl, are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. But yeah, Alex, I totally agree. Like, it's almost too different.
0: Hmm. But do they have uh, Aristocats' avatars on Disney Plus? They should.
2: They should. If you, if I'm changing mine tonight. Mine is Lizzie McGuire. Mine is uh, Rapunzel. Hmm. <laughs> I've, got,
0: I've got Mickey, actually. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, of of course you do.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, this has it was a successful film released December 24th, 1970. um, Positive, critical reception. I think went on to gross. See, IMDb has it at around 35 and a half million with estimated, you know, four million dollar budget or so back in 1970. So, you know, it it, uh, definitely came out all right in the uh, financial department um, but I don't know it's maybe not quite as enduring as other films like 101 Dalmatians and then you know Jungle Book definitely a very um, influential hit from the studio Sword in the Stone a little bit less so and then in the 70s we had um, Robin Hood film and then the Rescuers Um So, I mean, it was a little bit of a fallow period for uh, the studio. um, They had just lost Walt. Their key um, talent at the studio was aging. You know, the nine old men were um, nearing retirement age. This film was directed by Wolfgang Reitherman, one of the Disney nine old men. Um, and he, he was director on 101 Dalmatians as well uh, but yeah a lot of similarities
2: I think it's funny that you mentioned um you mentioned 101 Dalmatians Jungle Book and The Rescuers which were all like things that I put in my in my notes because mm-hmm. there was um in the for like the Jungle Book I feel like when O'Malley introduced himself he like stands up against the tree or something and I was like this reminds me like so much of like Baloo from the Jungle Book and then I I looked into it and he was the voice or something or Thomas O'Malley was oh yeah I think and I was like I don't know if maybe that's why I was thinking of Jungle Book because like subconsciously I was hearing huh. it or but I did like when he stood up he like scratched himself against a tree or leaned against it when he first saw the uh, duchess and the and the cats and I was like that looks like Baloo but <laughs> it's uh, uh so that's funny that you mentioned it and then I saw parallels to obviously 101 Dalmatians I saw parallels to um mm-hmm. Lady and the Tramp which I don't know where that came uh, how far after it had to have been after this but uh. um
0: that was in the uh, 50 it was before this it was 55 oh, it was. Really? i think
2: oh, that's, that's surprising it's more <laughs> that seems more
0: it was a more costly film i i would say um it's very clean if you look at the animation yeah. you know they didn't do any photocopying on that film it was It was all hand inked and painted. And uh, it was even in like very wide format, anamorphic widescreen, um, which is a sharp contrast from 101 Dalmatians, which went back to the old Academy format, four by three ratio, like the old, you know, CRT TVs that we used to have as kids. Uh, but then this is now back to a more of a, like a widescreen standard theatrical format that we're used to nowadays. And, and so, yeah, it um, translates a little better than you know something that, I, well, I don't know. I, I couldn't say that this looks any more dated than 101 Dalmatians because that film has, uh, I, I feel like the uh, Xerox, style fits so well with that film because so much of 101 Dalmatians is sort of a monochrome flavor. While yeah, it's te- I think, technically I think
1: the, the
2: animals do really flow in this style. Yeah. I like it. I wish they would do something with this style now. I would just like to see like how it goes. Like I'm just curious now after like seeing this and it, it was so normal watching movies like that growing up you know and then now we've got like crazy animation my brain can't even process sometimes <laughs> but I'd like to see something done in this Xerox style again I, obviously they probably won't um but I think it's I think it's like yeah. I don't know it gives me that like old-timey feel <laughs> like it's just
0: yeah
2: it, it, it looks so like aesthetic to those
0: me. jitters like you kind of get that in that one short film they made uh, called Paperman. Do you remember? Um, I believe it came before Wreck-It Ralph in theaters. Um, but it, it's a black and white short film that's is made using computer animation, but intentionally shaded to look more 2D and given sort of a jittery hand-drawn style with the outlines and that might have come from certain frame or images that were hand drawn that were then used to um, extrapolate the, the characters um, because it has a it, it doesn't have a pure hand drawn feel um yeah that movie that short film paper man there was also fee it was called feast um with the dog with the little dog. The
2: dog i know yeah. i know yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it's i'm not, also I'm not
2: up to date with the shorts but
0: yeah kind of cel-shaded and then if you've seen like the spark shorts on disney plus they've got uh, short films from like you know both pixar and disney animation that have a variety of animation styles Um, and I I, most of them are very computer centric, but I think some really do strive to have the classic 2D feel, and it it just is so hard to achieve that without drawing every single frame out by hand. Um, you really can't cheat it in a computer very well. Um, and if if they, they probably will figure out and probably have figured out how to do it, but then taking you know, making that into a feature-length film is a, is a whole other problem entirely because you know I, there's there really isn't there's a question of whether audiences, you know, will respond to it or be re- receptive to that type of thing nowadays because we're so used to computer animation. Um, but I, I agree. I wish they bring back something that looked just totally analog, totally, devoid of any uh, influence from computer technology. But uh, in order to do that, they may have to use uh, the ingenuity of computers to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to then. It's like the Stranger Things logo at, you know, the intro on Netflix. It looks like something that was made by technicians in a light room, you know, using film and uh you know retro reflective tape but it um it is all made in a computer
2: right I mean I feel like they could do it but yeah it seems like it would be just like a lot more it would be a lot more work than like what type of style they're doing now just because they haven't I don't to my knowledge they've not really done too much with this style Mm -hmm. um it's like on a computer yeah. it, it's outdated at this point so to say so
0: have have you seen the latest Winnie the Pooh from 2013 uh, Or oh, wait no no 20 t- 2011 was the latest Winnie the Pooh which was the last uh, hand-drawn film from Disney
2: oh no I didn't Is that the one with like the
1: like elephants
0: what was the plot of that one um <laughs> I've seen it exactly once. No, (laughs) it's just called Winnie the Pooh. from 20, And like, it was a pretty low profile release from Disney. I
1: think if Disney needed to do that kind of animation, it would be like more of a passion project for them because I don't think it would give them like the, like it would be big budget because they'd have to have the budget to get these animators to do all of that work at like the current wages, you know, for animators. So like there's that. And they'd have to find people with the skill set to do the drawing versus the computer animation. Mm -hmm. So they'd really have to like tap into a whole new market of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think as many people would buy tickets to that versus something that is like totally computer animated with like Mm -hmm. all the cool effects, like Frozen or something, you know? And I feel like it would need
2: to have just as big of a uh, budget. Kids aren't gonna care. Like, it's not what they're used to, you know? Like, it's not like, it have to call it like the Disney
1: nostalgia collection because like kids would be like, why why <laughs> do they look like that? Does it look like it, it would yeah. be really cool, you know? Like mm-hmm. kids could think, like, oh, that's awesome. I just think it's like a lot of budget and uncertainty to kind of sink into that kind of a project. But it would be cool.
0: While searching for honey, Pooh and his friends embark on an adventure to find Eeyore's missing tail and rescue Christopher Robin from an unknown monster called the Baxen.
2: <laughs> hmm. kind of so, sounds like every other Winnie the Pooh. I was just about to say that, except there's no Snuffleupagus. <laughs> yeah, like like wasn't That wasn't uh, Sesame Street. Oh, would the Pooh
1: had something half, like that too. Heffalumps,
0: heffalumps, and, half-a-lumps
1: and Those yeah. are the elephants I was talking
2: about. Yeah, yeah that's um, what I was thinking of.
1: I feel like Christopher Robin like can't keep it together. Yours <laughs> like tail is always gone. Like, mm-hmm. piglet's always like, whoa. Rabbit's like, mad, Kanga's like, where's bird and go? And then mm-hmm. Pooh's like, doo, doo doo I got it. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know that, Where's the I mean? honey?
0: That that was 2011 with a budget of $30 million estimated. And it made almost $50 million worldwide. So not yeah, a great I profit.
1: I forgot Owl just being like, oh, my God, you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> owl, what a, what a nutter. Uh, um, I
1: feel like Rabbit and Owl were just like, eons like brain wise ahead of the rest of the crew like tigger's like just bouncing off and like nobody knows what's going on
0: they're real animals versus almost every other character is like a stuffed animal right because ra- uh, rabbit's a yeah. real rabbit i think <laughs> um and the owls are real
2: Wait, are they not
1: stuffed animals oh you mean like in christopher robin's head because all of the um winnie the pooh alex is i think based just on his like imagination so winnie the pooh is like christopher robin's teddy bear at the end they'll have like little blurbs
2: i need to go back and i guess like i need to like watch more winnie the pooh i that is like not something i've looked into or thought about in the very my cousin was like obsessed with Winnie the
1: Pooh, and my grandma um painted a mural of Winnie the Pooh on her wall that actually looks really cool. And everyone thinks it's a professional artist. Um, mm. like they're like, How'd you get someone to paint that? It's pretty mm. wild. Um, but anyways, we had to get back to Aristocats. And speaking of little <laughs> blurbs, I have a little tone shift for the, the crew here. Yeah, you ready, Philip? Okay, so. Aristocats along with Peter Pan, which is how I know this. Um, Aristocats, Peter Pan, Jungle Book, and I don't remember something else, have an advisory that Disney plays at the beginning of their films now. I mm-hmm. feel like Philip knows where I'm going with this. Um, as of last year, and they were taken off of like the kids' profiles on Disney Plus when Disney Plus was first made. And I just want to read that because I think it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to like dive more into it, but I feel like I'm the one that brings it up every single time. So like sorry to be Debbie Downer. I just think
0: it's Yeah, I just I think this is the first time I've seen it on anything I've watched. I
2: was I was waiting. I want to look it up because I knew someone was gonna talk about it today. I I knew that it was
1: on there before I watched it because when it happened at first people like not not like the entire universe but like one or two people reached out and were like oh my god did you see the advisory on Peter Pan and then I googled it back then because obviously like I was like what and then I knew that so anyways here's I um, found an article that has the little blurb and then it kind of goes into Disney's statement about that like exact film if mm-hmm. that makes sense so I just wanted to like read that because I thought it was interesting if you think it's interesting yeah Okay, so um, before Aristocats, Peter Pan, all of them, this exact thing says um, there's like an advisory kind of like um, parental advisory, whatever. It says this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes are wrong then and they are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience and around the globe which I actually think is a pretty good statement because Disney does definitely walk a fine line and I think if they weren't the giant that they are now and they were like a newer company that had this history or like one that was less um beloved they definitely wouldn't have a (laughs) <laughs> it wouldn't be still thinking <laughs> okay
2: do they have that in front of lady and the tramp
1: yeah i think it's lady and the tramp
2: cat, siamese cat. And
1: book.
2: yeah it makes sense yeah. now that like i heard you read it out loud like i bet it is is there not a siamese cat in the aristocats that might be what so it's referencing
0: shanghai hong kong egg foo young. <laughs> yeah
2: so um, um
0: yeah what did they say about a yeah
1: yeah, so Disney's statement, and I don't know, um, on this article, it says the Disney Stories Matter team. So I'm not sure um, what kind of edge this is of Disney. Disney has so many entities, it's like, I can't keep track of all your teams, Disney. But anyways, they say, um, in particular, about that cat, the cat was depicted as a racist caricature of an East Asian peoples, with exaggerated stereotypical traits, such as slanted eyes and buck teeth. He sings in poorly accented English, voiced by a white actor, and plays the piano with chopsticks. This portrayal reinforces the professional foreigner stereotype, while the film also features lyrics to mock the Chinese language and culture, such as Shanghai, Hong Kong, Egg Fu Young, Fortune Cookie, Always Wrong. Not only is Shang Gong's, I don't know if I'm saying that right, depiction of the film racist, but the history behind him is no better. Some believe his character, a Siamese cat, is actually based on the Siamese cats from Lady and the Tramp, a movie from 15 years earlier with less offensive, but still not great depictions of the East Asian people. Um, And then they talk about um, different um, stuff after that. So that's kind of all this article says, but it does have like direct Disney quotes. And then there's other articles that said the same things. This just had them all in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, voiced by Paul Winchell, who's the voice of Tigger. I mean, it wasn't his fault at the time. It was just sort of a common trope to portray. And I think
1: it's like, it was obviously unacceptable always, Mm -hmm. but culturally, like in America, we're still far from it, but we have taken several steps since then. So the current generations are, it's not that it was more okay then, it's like, they were less likely to call you out because they didn't realize
2: mm-hmm. how wrong it was. It just wasn't talked about. It wasn't like necessarily yeah. something that you would have thought like you wouldn't, you wouldn't watch it, you know, mm-hmm. however, 40 years ago and say, this is wrong. You would just, mm-hmm. it, would, it was like every other thing happening, but you now would think it's, it's funny. As and you grow and things- learn, we're learning constantly. We're like, wait a second, this isn't is something not right here so there's
1: even things that i look back on and i talked about um more like recent films like um like in the 2010s like you wouldn't say certain things now or like have them in a in a children's movie or themes Mm -hmm. of that sort in a children's show like spongebob is like actually kind of wild especially in its earlier days because it was like meant to be an adult show but it's still beloved because those parents didn't like catch it you know you put your kid in front of the tv so you can make dinner half the time so it's like now that these kids are more um, susceptible and free on the internet just because there is more internet to be had these days I think parents need to kind of take note and be more cautious and it's the same thing as several nostalgic things going back to kind of like Splash Mountain if the listeners don't know Splash Mountain's being re- imagined as a princess and the frog ride. And there's yeah. tons of um, racism within Splash Mountain, particularly in the Song of the South. Um, and I think it's not only American racism, I think Disney kind of globally, hit <laughs> the nail on the head, like throughout their movies, just kind of offending everyone. Um, I but- mean, it,
0: it would be unfair to say that this problem is particular to disney i think That's every movie studio say, like, yeah They
1: <laughs> didn't do it as like oh like look what we can do um i was just gonna say they like really followed suit with the times because if yeah. you look at other movies that came out in this um era um and even like other movies since then so i think of often and i know this is like qu- quite wavering on the era um breakfast at tiffany's was always one of my favorite movies mm. and mm. there is again, a character that is a white man playing an Asian character and they play up those stereotypes and truly stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. They're an over-exaggerated part of a culture and they're they're everywhere you look. And I just think that just because it's Disney doesn't justify it, but let's be real, it wasn't just Disney doing that.
2: It was just so common, unfortunately, (laughs) though. You know, it was like, that's what we were... I mean, and to go... Far, 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 so far back, and like talk about something super disgusting. Like when they would do like blackface, ba- you know, way, 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 that was uh, uh, obviously not okay, but they thought it was. They were doing well, you know, yeah. these shows, and it's like
0: there, there's a surprising number of rather contemporary examples. Mm-hmm. And I think some that are kind of, you know, excusable for the sake of satire. Um, but you, you really have to, you know,
1: I just think that when I was in college, um, for the people that don't know, I was like a Mm -hmm. theater major and we did talk about minstrelsy and blackface. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't that long ago. It truly still does happen today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think now in, in the, in the current climate, we're just more likely to call people out, but it's still to some, okay which is where the real thing lies and I didn't mean to turn this into like something so deep and I'm so sorry to the listeners that might be from a culture that needs a a break but if if you're not listen up (laughs) but yeah Philip I just I just thought that was something because it did play at mm -hmm. the beginning of this movie and it is an animated um feature and it makes you kind of second guess like okay do I want to show this to my kids and explain it or Do you want to skip this one? Because it is such a nostalgic movie to me. Lady and the Tramp is one of the best, you know, the the ones Mm -hmm. that they got here, you know, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Jungle Book and Aristocats are like the four big ones that they they had to put that warning in front of. And it's like, dang, I watched all of those a billion times. and didn't notice, Hmm. but it did definitely um, make me cringe a little a little harder in now versus a kid like i didn't even notice i was like oh look a kitty like playing the piano like that's so." you
2: you watched it and you turned out you know fine not turned out, but you know like you recognize (laughs) like you're fine (laughs) you know like you watched it and you're like you can recognize you the difference i think is that like you can see what is wrong i you know you can see this is where The thing that is wrong this is this is the one clip the one scene that is the reason we need this warning like you recognize that so I think that's really good and if you do want to explain it to a child you obviously have like a very good grasp on the reasoning and and that you know versus someone who's just going to let their kids watch it and be like oh this is such a snowflake warning or you know what what happened
0: How, yeah there there are people will take it to an extreme of you know this is uh yeah. your tyrannical censorship or you know then there is potential for stuff manifesting sort of rapidly in our information age where you know you, computer algorithms could be designed to go in and filter out things and, and that's you know. what
1: they said in that statement is like they could have taken it out but they chose not to yeah and i think it is a fine line because like to me it's like yes that's nostalgic but could kids live without this movie sure do i want it to like go away because i love this movie no but do i Would i understand it if disney said all right we're gonna like hold production like yeah that would suck but i could still find it on vhs if i really
2: needed to you know right well didn't they do that with song of the south didn't they like nix it? Yeah. Or am I wrong? Did they like? I mean,
0: you could get a home media copy that was right, sold... but they're
2: not. They're not. That's not on anything. Right, and I, that's what no. I'm saying. It could
1: have done. I'm not sure what they did with that, but they could have done something like that to this, and they just they chose not to. And there are some people that you know, it's it's not my culture. So, like me as a white girl on a podcast is not going to be like depicting what people like mm-hmm. accept and don't accept. So, to right. some people, this um. Acknowledgement by
2: Disney may not be enough, and that is totally, yeah. Like, is it, huh? Is it enough though? Like, how are we supposed to know? Like, I can accept it and be like, Great job, Disney! I love that statement, I recognize what you're saying, I can find the thing, but it's like, I don't that doesn't affect me. Well,
0: it's an ongoing process, and I, Mm -hmm. you know, I consume a lot of YouTube, for example, like a lot of people more than half my age um, and I just have to imagine kids nowadays are just exposed to pretty much sky's the limit on on the internet and you know th- there are ways to try to like censor that um, but I mean how does a parent be proactive about something like YouTube or just the internet video content yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: I think the, like, the best yeah. thing that parents can do for their kids is like, of course, there's like monitoring, but there's people that get through the cracks. There are some people that list themselves a like kids' channel and it's like, what? Um, but I think, you know, the teaching, especially for like racism starts at home. It starts at home and and you need to kind of be on top of it and have those talks with your kids. But I don't know. That's kind of all I had to say about it. I just really wanted to read this statement because I knew that if someone watched this podcast and then like watched the movie, which I'm assuming happens quite often, um, they would see that and maybe question it. So I just thought it was. important.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're currently only an audio podcast, but it's I, I we do have some good video going right now too. I I don't think I'll upload it.
1: What Philip? <laughs> like, no, I, <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, without without <laughs> your guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, approval and consent maybe
2: one day maybe one day we can go like like video style yeah not today
0: not today today. hopefully one
2: day
1: next one one the next one let's see the listeners are all like oh i'll be tuning out of that Uh, this is
0: a a good uh you know subject to cover because we haven't talked too much about it i don't think on the podcast um i i think this is perhaps one of the tamest examples from disney plus um but like well, i mean it's who who can say really jungle book is that mainly just like the song at the end with the girl who's singing basically about um, patriarchy I
1: think it's, it's several uh i think the jungle jungle book um and peter pan probably have the most uh races yeah peter pan's obvious i see that i'm pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. um but jungle book i think there are um when Baloo puts like the headpiece on just things okay. off the top of my head I okay. can think of a couple moments with Mowgli a couple things that might even border on on blackface but I'm not sure if they would okay. be like considered um, but definitely like the stuff at the end kind of the whole uh like why is he like so dark skinned if he's like the like little jungle boy that like is illiterate like yeah. i don't know i just feel like jungle I've book in one. a
2: while but now i want to watch it and make like, sense see what? yeah
1: i'm not what- sure i'm not sure i didn't i didn't look at disney's reasoning those are just things that i'm like running through because i watched that movie <laughs> a long time ago <laughs>
0: yeah it's it's i mean you know it's humorous just to see what how people's minds worked back in this era and and the things they thought you know made for a good, good. yeah I mean it's like oh we, we watch
2: god. it now and we're like oh my god yeah. like because like right now like you that is like not okay but it's just it's just crazy because I you know you see something and you're like wait wait a minute like that is like like that is something to get like canceled for but at the time no there was no canceling going on i guess well, so
0: I let's get into some of the other humor of the this film which is basically <laughs> the just
1: actually funny stuff but not not funny it's, stuff yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's a romantic comedy it's it's very laid back it's it's sort of pastoral which is a term applied to movies like you know, Bambi or, uh, other, you know, nature centric, you know, se- sections of Fantasia on a lion King to an extent. Um, but cause there's just not a, a ton of, um, threat stakes here a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, there's the conflict surrounding what is attributed to be the true story behind Arista cats uh, that being the inheritance bestowed upon cats, uh, which is kind of a weird concept.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the whole, um, I, I mean, I just, I just read that it was a true story. So I have no, um, legitimate sources for that, but that, that someone left their inheritance to their cats. I think, mm-hmm. um, first of all, the thought process of that is like, okay, maybe, um, how do you know the money will be going to the cats right like who are you leaving the cats to and like maybe you could put like this money is contingent upon that it would be spent on the cats but how are you to enforce that because like the cat can't have like a bank account right
0: yeah (laughs) that's
2: that's where i get a a little (laughs) cripple i'm like what the heck makes
0: no sense but it's a cartoon.
2: I didn't even think about it. I was like I would do it.
1: Like I know, like as a as a kid I'm like, "Oh, awesome. Like they picked their cat. Yeah. <laughs> and like I nobody wanted like the little like butler girl or uh, the like butler people to like like they they were trash.
0: Well, this Edgar character like he he does kind of creep me out uh even though like it is pretty crappy <laughs> that you know someone would uh you know leave their fortune to animals uh yeah he can
1: know. go straight to the litter box like um
0: yeah i mean he uh you know is is definitely a, a very self-serving type character and uh you know gets what he's got coming to him in the end um, mm-hmm.
1: and money makes people do wild things i feel like that's not a a lost trope even today people that think that they're so powerful with their money Mm -hmm. try to skis off and harm others
0: yeah i guess in terms of like characters in this film that are you know sort of spotless in their integrity or reputation um you know, really, none of the human characters are fully innocent. <laughs> uh, you know, even like the, the old lawyers kind of just like, I don't know, he, he's he worships the lifestyle of the rich and famous, I think, just as much as, you know, Madame does, who's, you know, this eccentric old lady who, you know, e- will either leave her fortune to her cats or to a, a foundation to take care of all the alley cats in Paris. (laughs) Um, And then of course, Edgar, who's as, you know, he was also infatuated with the lavish lifestyle that he lives as this butler. Um, I don't know, butlers in general kind of, they seem to be the most uppity and, you know, posh uh, characters. Even more so than like their masters in, in many cases, <laughs> um, in certain depictions. I love like Alfred Pennyworth from Batman, for example. He's a he's a good butler, but otherwise butlers can have a reputation. For they
1: get a bad rap, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: you work for someone, and work for someone, and work for someone, and they leave their money to their cats. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, all right, guess like, you like was he a man. good
2: worker though? Like he was real quick to like get rid of the cats you know what i mean it's like was he like really like doing that great of a job if he was like so quick to like betray her i don't know like right like what like he can't have been like that great because like that was like like the worst thing he could have done yeah
0: anyways the cats are the real heroes here that's what i want to
2: say as (laughs) they should be
0: and they're not really i mean there's a uh tense moment later on where you know, the mouse Roquefort has to face off against the alley cats when trying to rescue the, uh, you know, the main uh, quartet of cats. Um, or let's see, it was what, what, what happened exactly in that scenario uh, towards the end um, when O'Malley um You know, Duchess, her kids, Toulouse, Marie, and what's the other one? Berlioz. Mm -hmm. You know, they're you know they return to the mansion after being abducted the first time, and then they're you know there's a big fight with uh, with Edgar, (laughs) um, and then um, Roquefort has to go get help from. Tries um, to
2: save the day. yeah,
0: Yeah. Um. What, what was O'Malley? What was O'Malley doing at that time? Did he get put in the chest as well? <laughs> I can't remember. Was
2: he not going for his um, cat friends? Tea. Maybe not. Maybe I.
0: Yeah. Why? Why? Why did Roquefort have to go for backup? Yeah. Why not...
2: is he? Why is he like picking up the slack? Um. Not O'Malley. You know I can't.
0: Maybe O'Malley. Um. he 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 was off uh (laughs) man i just watched this yesterday
2: yeah i watched it last night like that see that's how like mindless it is though
0: Mm -hmm. like
2: it's just you just put it on and you know what the the most like enticing part of this whole movie is um when roquefort brings that cracker out to dip in the Milk that Edgar makes for the cats at the very beginning that mm. has always looked so good to me when he dips that cookie cracker mm. biscuit into um, what did he call it? He called it Edgar Alla oh,
0: creme de la creme,
2: creme, creme, de, la ed- creme de la creme de la yeah, creme
0: de la creme de Edgar,
2: yeah, that looks so good. Like he's putting milk on the stove with like cinnamon, it's pumpkin spice milk, like you know, who knows? Um.
0: Edgar's not all bad
2: no <laughs> yeah, it looks delicious and um so I, I like that part the most and then my second favorite part is when the dogs are like chasing him under the bridge and they do like the loop-de-loop a few times I think that's so hmm. funny and then the dogs end up like I always wanted my dad to get like a sidecar for his motorcycle because of this movie because I'm like that's just so cool like I could be in the sidecar because I'd never I'd never seen that before and like I've never seen it in person probably still to this day I don't think I've ever actually seen that um a but, sidecar
1: in a motorcycle
2: yeah I don't think I've seen that before like what like 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 as like a in, in person I can't recall that I have but my dad you, like out of the south. Well, I'm not even like, I'm not even, I'm a transplant here. Like my dad had a motorcycle. I've just never like, I mean, I've just never seen like, I've seen it in like media, but like Mm -hmm. in person, like I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for a sidecar to sit in, you know, (laughs) I I would love to like live my little dream.
0: Not a lot of people can say they've ridden in a sidecar. Uh, (laughs) I certainly haven't. Um, I've ridden on the back of a motorcycle.
2: Yeah, I've I've been on a motorcycle. I'm, but I I thought I oh, ever since like, like I grew up with that movie. So mm-hmm. I, to me, like it was like a normal thing. I'm like, why don't you have this for your motorcycle? And he never got one. I never saw one. Um, mm-hmm. Still, still wanting to get it uh, in the sidecar. But I thought that part where they're uh, chasing them and. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I don't know. There's just like little, little snippets of the movie that I'm like, this is cute. This is sweet. This is, you know, just all very, yeah. nothing to like no big plot you know like duchess wasn't even very much concerned for most of the movie which didn't give very much urgency to the situation going on so i'm not because sure. i think that they
1: tried to make her character so like aloof it almost looked like she was like a bad mother
2: <laughs> i didn't i didn't think that i just thought she was like oh like i'm you know i'm not worried about it i'm gonna stay I'm going to stay calm, you know? And so it made me as a viewer, not, not worry too much. I'm like, they'll make it home. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, and, but then I got to thinking, and I don't know if there was something in the movie that like disputes this entirely, but I was like, maybe she's so chill because maybe she was a, like a stray cat at one point, And that's why she's like teaching her kids, like, here's how to be proper. Like, this is what I have learned and in, in how to be proper. And then they go out into the world and she's like, Oh, don't worry about it. Like, we'll figure it out. And then she's so, she's so calm about the entire situation. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not too like stranger danger about the other strays or like alley cats. But um, there was no, you know, there was no, like, um, like I wasn't ever like, uh, like, on
0: edge there was no yeah. to it so i mean i thought that was a an effective choice for duchess you know for her to be a, a cool cat kind of a, just the common very trait. fancy yeah, yeah yeah well she's fancy but then she's also just a very composed and poised yeah um you know not not afraid of yeah these sort of you know, uh, less or unkempt cats with whom she interacts later on.
1: Yeah, I guess she does tuck her kittens into bed. I just think that she could have maybe done a, a couple of things like a little better
0: <laughs> yeah. hindsight
2: twenty twenty. <laughs> I still think I'm like oh, <laughs> uh,
0: she's a free range parent.
1: Um. Also, I thought just like a little tidbit. The fact that he wanted to ship them to Timbuktu, I just think it's such a funny like like what the heck? (laughs) Like I feel Uh, like it's one of those things that you only hear in like old people phrases and like
2: stories. Yeah, yeah. Like is there really such a place? I believe it's real. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it is because you hear it. You know, you hear that. So, but maybe i like.
1: Why does everyone hate it so much? Just because it has a funny name, like Timbuktu. Like, yeah, I, I guess. The and then the cats are like, actually, we're gonna ship you to Timbuktu, Edgar. It's real. Yeah. It's
0: in, located in the country of Mali.
1: Uh-huh. <gasps> oh my god, it's really there? Yeah. It's really, I mean, not that I know where that is, like, on, on a map,
2: but wow, it's, it's a real r- place to
0: Hmm. yep uh, it was it's like on a the
2: southern edge of the sahara desert
0: yeah hmm. yeah it's like a trading hub once upon a time so yeah I, th- I think it's just a fun word to say so found its way into a lot of literature from you know the ye oldie times uh, yeah it's, I mean I imagine there are a lot of similar films to this comedies and sitcoms, even um, that I probably wouldn't bother revisiting nowadays just because they're kind of mundane, just not the most exciting. Not a lot happens where this, you know, has some pretty impressive animation gags, you know, like the motorcycle under the bridge and you know, some of the, uh, business with the 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 two dogs and the butler um and i don't know just the the musical numbers um which this m- movie only has what two musical numbers i think but um
2: everybody wants to be a cat is iconic
0: yeah makes an impression
2: that one is i think for sure if you, if i were to think of this mm-hmm. movie that's like my head goes straight to probably that But Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's a certain uh, hypnotic quality to, you know, this sort of just like come and hang and uh, we'll watch these cats kind of just roam throughout the city and meet up with a lot of (laughs) um, ragtag characters along the way.
2: (laughs) It's very safe. You're not like worried about the cats. You know, you're not like, I don't know. It's... (laughs) I, if I I feel like if I had watched it for the first time now I would enjoy it but it wouldn't be something that I'm like wow this it wouldn't
1: be like singing the songs
2: yeah I'm not gonna be like this is great this is like a, a must watch once a year like I wouldn't think that seeing it for the first time now but I do see why like younger me was probably like, also despite it being the only one i had access to for a while it was also just you know like it's just mindless like you can sit down and they're just gonna watch it because there's not there's not really much going on
1: despite it being the only one i had access to like that should be the disney like little like
2: thing they put on the poster
0: (laughs) yeah exactly
2: because it's the only one you have if this is your only movie you have
1: in your VHS tape drawer, then we recommend 10 out Yo, of 10. you love it. Watch,
0: yeah, watch it. Over and that, over that
1: that again. That's the worst review for a movie I've ever heard. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> I like it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I like it. I just Fake fan.
0: I I could see there being plenty of people who consider this their favorite like Disney animated film just because it's relaxing.
2: And like all the cats are cute.
0: All the cats are cute. yeah.
1: Like they're cute. I don't even really like cats, but I just feel like, you know, like all of the like main cats are like cute. Yeah,
2: they are cute. And like, they like, you know, like you were saying, like Marie, she's just like everything you would envision as like the most, you know, perfectly posh little kitten she's like got that, that she she's all white with that cute pink bow she looks just like her mama you know it is it's she's she's someone that us like white girls with pink bows can relate to exactly <laughs> she's proper she's sassy you know ladies yeah. don't start fights where they can finish them like that little line is and honestly like little girls everywhere
1: i feel like kind of depend on like animated characters to like say what they want to say and she's like because i'm a lady that's why i'm like dang yeah. yes yeah. yes Marie!
0: <laughs> they <laughs> get it. yeah they flesh out the characters a lot better here than in 101 dalmatians
2: yeah they have more personality yeah Yeah. that was something i included in my notes i just felt like they took on very like human like qualities which of course you they have to have they have to speak they have to you know have thoughts to move the movie along but i felt like this one like there was you know three three children three cats that we you know were the little ones and they each had a specific personality rather than them just being, Oh, we're three cats. You know, like they each had their own, they had their own look. They had their own personality. They had their own, they had their own talents like Marie sang and the other one played the piano and one was painting. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like they, they, they had spice if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Well, that was um I mean uh, <laughs> a lot one we talked about
2: the uh but not much going on in the movie and uh, and the worst movie review by me there's a podcast some
1: <laughs> sum up just to, to summarize Philip's literal life's work <laughs> of today
0: well it, it it represents a step in. You know, yeah, Im- improving or bringing added life to characters, give them a more modern sensibility, uh, which was um, an intentional point uh, on the part of, you know, the creators of Jungle Book from a couple of years earlier, which I think really banked on its characters and, and the strong personalities that they displayed. And then you have Phil Harris, of course, returning here. You know, he's the voice of Baloo. Now uh, the voice of Thomas O'Malley, Um, and then he would return to portray kind of the uh, direct photographic lift of Baloo as Little John and um, in Robin Hood, And, and that's kind of an interesting aspect of sort of the the Disney library, especially from this era where they're all sort of overlapping in a way. Um, they, they have all this uh, short, shared, uh, you know, almost incestuous sort of DNA uh, um, where like there's reused um, animation from film to film, re- almost reused character models basically. and uh, And a lot of the same voice talent that they bring on like they have a consistent stable of voice actors that you'll hear appearing throughout their films um so it's like its own little you know mickey mouse club in a way
2: right something was there something that had come out in in that span of all of these like where did all of these like animal centric like movies come from like did they all come out like and nothing come in between them like was it just like they were on like an animal role like let's just bust these out right now like Mm. let's use the same actors let's use like they were all animals at this time like did a princess movie come out (laughs) during this like at all or was it strictly like (laughs) they they (laughs) kind of held off on princesses for a hot sec i thought i just feel like i'm i have not not i've not realized it until having this conversation like did they really just bust out all of these animal movies like back to back and like that was it like you've got here's your animal movies and like have they done anything like iconic since like what, what happened
0: yeah not yeah they had sword in the stone but that featured a lot of animal characters or even a moment where the main characters are transformed into animals um but yeah fading the tran of course immediately before um, the uh, 101 dalmatians you had sleeping beauty which was you know the most classic non mm-hmm. animal centric movie like the sort of the last one before this whole stretch which uh, probably didn't end until the black cauldron <laughs>
2: is I was I was just thinking about that movie. That's that is Disney, correct, or is it not?
0: Yep, yeah, same yeah. studio.
2: It is okay. I for some reason I like thought that it wasn't, and I was trying to think. Like I was like recently, I was like, was that a Disney movie? Because I remember that was one I really liked. That was one that got added into my collection, but it's not something I've I've put much thought into over the mm-hmm. years. And then I it just thought about it the other day and i was like was that even a disney movie was it something else so mm-hmm. maybe i will have to look at that oh, one have we ever done the black cauldron
0: we did do an episode on it um oh. i think my brother and i talked about it maybe jody hmm. um like way back in the day yeah it was it was maybe a year ago um hmm. i think we did it sort of halloween season last year
1: well oh, let's
0: see uh Ariscus, the 20th uh disney animation film robin hood the 21st the many adventures of winnie the pooh the 22nd uh, very animal theme the rescuers 23rd uh and animal theme the fox and the hound animal theme i love
2: the fox and the hound
0: yeah, that's a good one yeah and then the 25th was the black cauldron which reverted back to human so
2: they had a good little stretch yeah there with the Big animal lover on the on the team at that point. I'm guessing, or they were just running with it. They were like, "This is doing all right." Like
0: they uh, they didn't want to take any risks during this era in uh, the company history. If you think
1: about it, all the um, princess movies have animals in them too, so uh, the animals take over.
0: Yeah, it's... are
1: animals easier to animate probably than people? I bet they are.
2: You yeah. probably reuse the same like yeah like same like deer shapes shapes as as opposed to like trying to create new faces for for human Mm -hmm. um and like trying to get I feel like trying to get animal mannerisms might be easier than trying to Mm -hmm. get like a human eating and drinking versus like an animal just like trotting around you know because like they're not yeah they're not too human like in, in their actions some some actions are but they're not like walking around like putting clothes on like like a person would be i guess
0: you can exaggerate them more easily which is always advantageous in animation um, cuz animation is so much about caricature and even um, when it comes to human characters you know the princes are typically much more difficult than say like the princess characters because um the the male characters are often more rigid or they're drawn more rigid uh whereas the the females you know they're they're more you know they flow more <laughs> it's uh they've got a certain um smoothness about them i, I don't know um that's just what they say <laughs> I don't know, does that make sense or is that, is that, oh, yeah, like... <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry. I thought you were still gonna say more things.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, you know, uh, I guess it's just something to do with the the curves on women that makes them more. I mean, I mean arts and um, sort of um, follow through motion are very inherent to animation.
1: Yeah, I, d- I just definitely think, even just like, oops, sorry. Even just like um, faces mm-hmm. like of an animal, you know, maybe m- not so much a horse or something that has to be kind of drawn out, but maybe mm-hmm. something like a-, a cat that can be more kind of flat, like two little round eyes, you know, I feel like that's much easier than trying to like build, you know, even Sleeping Beauty's facial structure mm-hmm. for a hundred like slides.
0: Yeah. And human beings are masters at detecting, you know, the traits of another human and noticing if there's anything off, Um, you know, it's just sort of a survival instinct that can tell us, you know, if somebody that we're seeing, you know, has any kind of uh, anything that might be threatening to our safety, you
2: know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. A red flag. Exactly. Whether it's there you know, uh, countenance, their sort of demeanor or just if they look sick or something. Um, Mm. But, and that's why we have like the uncanny valley when trying to create realistic looking humans, um, you know, on a computer rendering.
2: I also think it gives like, just maybe like having this big clump of of animal movies it's like it it adds like a more fantasy element because it's like animals can't do any of this they can't talk they can't play the piano you know so it 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 kind of they can't eat spaghetti together and share a kiss you know so it kind of adds like a they can and they have (laughs) well it adds a little fantasy element that like where you know um in in you know human movies, obviously they have their own fantasy elements, but it's probably you have these cats doing more mundane people things versus trying to make um, a princess movie have that fantasy element, like she's on a magic carpet, like that, uh, that's not real, you know. But I think it's like it's easier to make something more these animal movies more m- magical, that Disney magic versus trying to create this really intense plot for something else mm-hmm. you know you can you can have the cats just run around France and and play the piano and and play instruments because that's a normal thing <laughs> animals you know so I think I think like that kind of gives it like something yeah. special
0: yeah, uh, with Vivo, it was a similar case. Um, and it, it doesn't go so far as to, you know, suggest humans can understand the animals. You know, it's not like Brian in Family Guy where he can just, you know, speak English uh, and and people accept it's it. The
1: difference <laughs> between Family Guy and, like, the Aristocats is like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty, you know, substantial, uh, but even so, like animals here and even in in vivo, to some extent, you know, wear clothes. I mean, even in Aristocats, the wild animals sometimes wear clothing, which, um, you know, I think would make a lot of people scratch their heads. Not just the one guy who's sitting at the little bistro drinking a bottle of wine, who then proceeds to dump it out after he sees you know, mice.
2: Both
0: tie or (laughs) running along with what have you yeah um so a lot a lot of liberties taken with the reality which is appropriate for a film like this but yeah i don't know if there's uh too much more to cover here i didn't you know
1: i think we've covered covered this movie back and forth what did you learn from this movie philip tell it tell the class what you've learned
0: (sighs) Um, <laughs> I know r- rich people are kind of bizarre but they're at least their pets are normal
1: <laughs> what did you learn
2: Hannah oh uh,
1: I thought I walked into that mm, if you're rich you can I kind of already knew this but if you're rich you can be like absent-minded to literally everything happening around you and drive everybody nuts and then be like what oh (laughs) just do whatever you want anyways because nobody's contribution and nobody's anything means anything to you when you have one that
2: that is yeah that is a very good takeaway so less (laughs) that's a good one okay my takeaway is that sometimes the littlest guy can save the day (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a good yeah that's a, a big theme here um <clears throat> let's see no one should ever sing "Tarara ra boom die, ever again um i think you know people have mostly kept to that <laughs> but i always found that song really grating uh, whenever i heard it um it, it makes an appearance here it's probably like an old um, almost like a sea shanty type of thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. And other than that, um, and you guys have anything to plug, uh, social media? Um,
1: I'm Hannah Lee Ever After on Instagram, L-E-I-G-H, and then Ever After, like, fairy tales. And then on Twitter, if you don't like pictures, <laughs> I'm just Hannah Smart on Twitter. And that is all my social medias, but also I have Pinterest. So if you ever want to look at like recipes, I pin a lot of those, mainly cute cakes that I'm never going to make.
2: I, uh, I I used to be a big Pinterest person. So that's funny that you're onto that. I haven't looked at it in a while. My Instagram is at A-D-Z-A-Y-E-E-D-E-E-Z-Y. Nothing cool hip hop and happening going on there, but... <laughs>
0: Of course there. Is. No, th- thanks so much, Alex and Hannah. Uh, I mean, of course, the thing we all truly learned with this episode is everybody just wants to be a cat.
1: I know! <laughs> I know.
0: And also, uh, long before there was Disco Circus, there was Disco Jazz <laughs> Yeah. With Scatman Crothers and his motley crew of cats. Um, and uh, with that, uh, follow Thodcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Visit thodcast.com. We're at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, Yeah, happy September. You all have a magical day and a wonderful week. Warm hugs.
2: Goodbye from meow.